Nicole? Oh, hello, Hava. Hello. Oh, oh. <laughs> hello. That was your very deepest Michael voice. Oh, it wasn't intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, story. I was uh, I was surprised you popped on. I was watching a little YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, what was your YouTube video? I found this mathematician, scientist, professor guy from China who mm-hmm. makes who the 3D prints optical illusions. He mm-hmm. did some math to figure out how to make particular optical illusions and 3D print them, and it's like pretty neat. Well, yeah, that sounds cool as hell. You know, like Escher stuff. Mm-hmm, right. And then part of me is like, wait a minute. Okay, maybe I could do this too based on what he does, you know? So that'd right. be kind of cool. Because I could make little optical illusions to amuse myself. All right, all you need is a 3D printer. All I need is a 3D printer and a little bit of math. I can use optical illusions to distract myself from the illusions that surround me every day. (laughs) Right, from the illusions which already plague us all. Yeah. Wow, beautiful. I also just ate a bag of uh, Cape Cod potato chips. Oh, somebody must have gone to the sandwich place. Yep, got a sandwich. Skeeter got into the sandwich box and uh, <gasps> licked up the foil. Jacques. More like Jacques. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty cute. He has such... Well, no one wants to hear me talk about my dog. People love hearing you talk about your dog, Michael. Look, I have a beautiful dog. I also have a beautiful girlfriend, too. Uh, I think... Hi, girlfriend! Oh, not Nothing! <laughs> Did you ask me how I am? Has that happened yet? No. (laughs) But tell me anyway. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've been really getting so many conservative ads on YouTube. Uh Uh-oh. It's real bad. As soon as you buy a house, actually, (laughs) this is what happens. Yeah. There's something that makes sense about that. Yeah. Isn't that weird? And I also get like too much estrogen in the waters making you into a sissy The frogs are gay. Frogs are gay. They're turning the frogs gay. I don't know what I'm clicking on on the internet, but that is what the internet is telling me I'm into. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Great. Uh, how are you, Hava? I am, you know, Bruchem, obviously. I'm okay. I'm in, I'm in a weird mood this morning. It's just been one of those days where it's like I've had things scheduled. You ever have, like, you have chunks of free time, but they're just awkwardly scheduled enough that you can't really do anything with them like you have like 45 minutes between meetings yes, and it's like yes what am i gonna do with this 45 minutes except pace around my house anxiously oh why why are you so anxious you of all people think there needs to be a why no it's yeah that's fine that's fine i just am i started being really anxious yesterday i've just been really anxious this these past couple of days i guess i don't know what why I'm having an anxiety flare now of all times, but I am. And I don't like it. You gotta start meditating again. Very helpful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I knew that that, that was like a, you should try tomatoes kind of Right, exactly. Reaction. It's like, yeah, I know. I'm, it's not like I'm like, oh, I could meditate right now, but I'm of completely pure free will choosing not to. But ultimately, I'm still good. I'm on another Animal Crossing kick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm which is always a positive influence in my life. It's interesting, like, my both my gaming and my reading habits are so driven by hyperfixation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, like, don't do something for months at a time, and then it's the only thing I do for months at a time. 
Yep. Yeah. Animal Crossing is like very frequently one of the ones that I come back to. So I've been blasting on the Animal Crossing, getting my island perfectly set up. Do you have like a, a goal here or a methodology that's different from other times? Well, my goal this time, and this may seem like kind of a weird goal for various reasons, but my goal from this time is to make this my perfect island. Every fish, every bug, every flower, perfectly designed, every item in the catalog. With time traveling or no? No time traveling. That would be too easy with time traveling. I could do that with time traveling in a week. This is going to take you a calendar year. Yeah, I know. Hopefully. That's the idea. At this point, I'm like not I'm not trying to make my Animal Crossing experience like easier or quicker. That is the opposite of what I'm trying to achieve. Interesting. Okay. All right. So this is your Rosh Hashanah resolution. Exactly. Is to make this a transcendent island. I've chosen a really fun island theme. I have chosen to make my island uh, because now I've like done all the normal themes already. So I'm doing something weird, which is I want my island to be an interdimensional junkyard. So I'm going to like make a bunch of different mini islands within my islands. And they're all going to be like really differently themed as if each one you're like traveling between dimensions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, it's a high concept Animal Crossing island. Okay, great. I'm I'm happy. Yeah, it's uh, as you can see, it's it's bringing me a lot of joy compared to just sort of like normal happenings. So yeah, I mean, this is your fantasy escape um, hatch. I'm into yeah. it. Yeah, I have mine too. Oh, we took Chonk to the vet this week. Friend of the show, my cat Chonk, had his uh, yearly vet visit. The vet said he was a perfect boy. He is perfect in every way. Very healthy baby. He was really stressed out by the whole experience. He hates being in the car so much. Uh, it's a real guilt inducer. But yes, he's a very healthy boy. It was very expensive to get told that. But whatever. It has to happen once a year, at least. Yeah, so that's, that's the main... What's up with me out of the ordinary? I will also very quickly let our listeners know about what's happening at Shalmala before we dive into this very exciting episode. We have just announced our cornucopia of fall classes that are coming up. We are doing a lot of stuff this fall. Olivia Devora is coming back to the yeshiva to teach a Jewish demonology class. We're doing a collaboration with Transhalacha Project to study some of the Teshuvot that were written. And we're bringing Shalmala down from the cloud to Portland, Oregon to do <gasps> a full weekend in November of ritual and Talmud study at Shir Tikva in Portland, Oregon. What? What? Yeah. Whoa. I know, hard to believe. So if any of those things sound sexy to you, which they should, then I'll put a link in the description where you can go find out more about all of that hotness uh, and register for some of those classes that'll be coming up after the high holidays. Wow. So you're going to go to Portland. I'm going to go to Portland and there's going to be an all day Talmud workshop and a Kabbalah Shabbat Saturday morning Torah study and Havdalah all wow. by me and Binya. Oh, my God. Yeah. Friend of the show, Whore of Babylon, Pena Coats. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Maybe I should fly out there. And yeah, that'd be it. cute. That'd be kind of fun. All right, neat. So what is our episode today about Hava? I ask as if I don't know. 
I know, but you do know because today is a truly momentous episode. Why is this episode different from all other episodes? Wrong holiday, wrong new year. Today, we are having our very first Temple OS episode. If somehow this is your first episode of the podcast, you should know that for the past six months at least, we have been working behind the scenes on a massive, thoroughly researched mini-series exploring the Temple OS operating system, which we'll talk about what that is here in a second. And we've been putting off and putting off releasing some of the episodes we made, and then Michael very wisely convinced me that we should just start releasing them one at a time instead of waiting for them all to be done at once. And thanks to Michael, you all get the benefit of starting starting to hear the series now. So this is going to be the first entry in that journey. Yeah, I'm glad we're doing it this way. I think the original plan was to do a bunch of work, have a bunch of raw audio, and then release it all in one go. And that's just real stressful sounding. Yeah. So now yeah. we're just going to do it. And you're going to get Temple OS as we make it. We're just going to deliver it to you. It's going to be great. Yep. Oh my god. And all the dogs will bark simultaneously. So, what is Temple OS, you may ask yourself? Yes, what is it? This is not my beautiful operating system. So, Temple OS is an operating system, a computer operating system that was created and messed around with by this guy, Terry Davis, up until his death in 2018. Terry Davis is very much at the center of this story. He developed this operating system pretty much all by himself, which is one of the things that makes it special technologically and, and artistically. He designed it in a very unique way. He designed it with the intention that this operating system would serve as the third temple, God's third temple. Terry was not Jewish, but the idea of creating an operating system to be God's third temple felt intersecting enough with the interests of this show to merit a deep investigation. Terry also was severely mentally ill uh, most of his adult life. He was diagnosed with uh, schizoaffective disorder late in life, and that is also deeply entangled with what made Temple OS what it is. And what we're going to be doing in this series is just exploring what makes Temple OS unique technologically, what makes it interesting spiritually, what are its connections to Judaism and Jewish text, what are the ideas brought up by Temple OS and by Terry's life that can sort of inspire us to think in new ways about, I don't know, about God, about God's house, about ourselves and about computers. You know, I think Terry's life and, and Temple OS sort of serve as the the stage where this series will happen. They're both the subject and the stage, and they just provide an opportunity for Michael and I to do all kinds of diving into really unique and, and weirdly connected and arcane and bizarre conversations about technology and religion. That's sort of the cliff's notes of what, what we're doing. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that comes up from Terry and Temple OS. Whether or not you're into Terry as a person or into Temple OS or operating systems, open source operating systems or open source software, it's it's almost besides the point. Just some of the things that he's doing induced weird conversations about metaphysics and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's all very interesting. I think there's a little bit 
of stuff here for everyone, and I hope you like the ride. When we started this podcast, I knew nothing about Talmud, and in some ways this is like similar. You don't have to know anything about Terry and TOS to actually start extracting information from it right away that might have meaning and relevance to your life. Right. So in this episode, we're going to just introduce Terry a little bit and some of the basics of Temple OS, but... I wanted to start by talking about why we're making this series. And I have my own answer, but I want to ask you first, Michael. Oh, interesting. Why why are you making this series? Why did you say yes to this wacky idea that I had? I would say 70% of why I'm making this is because you really wanted to make it. And you know... (laughs) Oh, that's very sweet of you. You have to support your co-host. Another chunk is like it was in a bit of an experiment, a little bit of something new, something a little bit not Talmud related, but also very similar to the sort of analysis that we do here, mm-hmm. which can be summarized as bullshitting on top of whatever it is that we're reading. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm fascinated by weird people who seem to create stuff and just kind of exist outside of the um, whatever mainstream the well-trod path the well-trod path you know no i'm i'm not one of these people like i feel like i'm pretty i've fallen into a pretty well-trodden path but i do enjoy like um i I do enjoy freaks and geeks not the right but you know the i mean it's a good show and you know i love complex slightly broken people and terry is like that broken not because he has a mental disorder uh but you know broken because of many of the things that he says are probably little problematic we'll get into that yes so we will get into that i feel like i like trying to understand how these people tick and like trying to empathize with them and just terry for whatever reason he's just one of those people that i kind of want to understand a little bit right you want to know about what's going on in there yep i do i feel very connected to that set of reasons i feel like i'm also naturally really drawn in by stories of people who sort of deeply pursued their own vision outside of that that well-trodden path, outside of the norms and the accepted sort of state of affairs in whatever field they're working in. I feel like the textbook example of this on the podcast is like Shabbatai, like the Acher, like Alicia Benabuya in the Talmud. Like all of these people are people who sort of um, committed fully to their project regardless of how um, radically distant it was from the field they started in. Yeah, and I'll say that's part of the reason why I was interested in this kind of Judaism that we're engaging in and, and, and why I think it's so strange for a lot of people to hear about people like Hava, and I guess like me now, who are engaged seriously or semi-seriously or whatever in Judaism, but are like basically modern, you know, lefty trash, like the way we are. (laughs) So perhaps that's a similarity that we maybe share with, with Terry, you know, you don't expect that. And there's something that maybe we are seeking, maybe Terry's seeking, maybe Acher and and Shabbatai are seeking that we can relate to and empathize with. Yeah, I mean, I think... Part of what drew me in is that, in a certain sense, I feel like the project of Temple OS is something that the rabbis of the Talmud could really easily have understood. Like, if magically we could explain computers to them fully, the idea of someone is trying to make a new version of the temple using this contemporary medium in a way that is very mystical and idiosyncratic would have been like... 
yeah oh yeah of course that's like what we're all up to all the time like it's fine yeah exactly because you know the rabbis are obsessed with the proper righteous way of doing mundane tasks so then there must be a proper and righteous way you should be using computers right i'm not sure they would have sort of like agreed and been like yeah great job terry this is exactly what we needed but the impulse wouldn't have been foreign to them for what he was doing right what you said about there being a righteous way to use computers was also a really important part to me you know as someone who teaches talmud online and is just on the computer a lot it struck me as weird that I've never really thought about, like, what is the connection between the computer and the sacred? Like, what what is the, the Torah and the, the computer have in common, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's also interesting, like, if you're our age, we're in our 30s, we remember pre-internet a little bit, and we... And we really remember early internet. And I think generally people like us feel that, you know, the internet kind of has gotten shittier, like a little bit less righteous in certain ways. People try to articulate why, what's going on, you know, like people are trying to make more money online, less weird sites. But there's this feeling in the air among people who've experienced the internet for 20 years and remember it, that things are not as they maybe should or could be. So in some ways, mm -hmm. like righteous computing, it's like now's the time to talk about it in a weird way. And Terry right. is this weird example of that. Right. And we get into this more in a later episode, but he is really embodying an era of computing that is all about, I don't know, pushing boundaries in a way that today's computing is not. It's a much less commercialized world of computing for the most part that he's tapping into when he's developing Temple OS. So let's talk a little bit about this Terry fellow. A lot of people discover Terry Davis through YouTube. When he was developing Temple OS, he did a lot of live streams on YouTube. He did a lot of video uploads. Even though he was homeless at the time, he was still taking a lot of video footage. And there are just hours. I mean, I must have watched at least 15 hours of Terry live streams, which maybe doesn't even seem like that much, but they're really hard to follow. So 15 hours is, is really a lot. And that's the way a lot of people come into contact with Terry and sort of the way he lives in popular consciousness. In fact, Temple OS has its own very niche internet following. There's a Temple OS subreddit, especially if you're a computer science-minded kind of person. Eventually, it's something you're going to run into and potentially be fascinated by. But Terry was was very much a average suburban white dude of his time. He was born in 1969 in West Allis, Wisconsin. Oh. And he did a lot of like uh, things that really embody the 90s in his adulthood. For instance, his first job in computer science was working at Ticketmaster, which just feels like very of its time. He first started experiencing the onset of his schizoaffective disorder in 96, which is, um, he's about 26 years old at that part, which is really typical for the onset of, of stuff like schizoaffective and, and schizophrenic disorder for them to start in middle to late adulthood. But the level to which that mental illness is disabling sort of comes and goes throughout his adulthood. Sometimes he's living what we would think of as a quote unquote normal life. And sometimes he is having a lot harder time because of it. But he has a, a very paranoid experience of schizoaffective disorder. He feels like people are following him around. People are sort of persecuting him, watching out for him. 
what's going on over there? Skeeter found a takeout bag. Uh oh. <laughs> Hold on. Skeeter, what are you doing? Stand right. by your man. I don't know why that song is stuck in my head. Keep going. Um, He's good now. But he just basically continuously works in computer science up until 2001, until he uh, he can't anymore. In, in 2001, he starts his own software company called Hare, H-A-R-E, like after the rabbit. Um, he writes some physics simulation software. So he's really into the crunchy side of computer science. You know, he's writing the real boring shit out there. Oh, don't say that. (laughs) So you admit it. You're a nerd. No, I'm not a nerd. I just. You love physics simulation software. No, 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 no. I just think. I think our whole audience can admit that writing physics simulation software is for most people would be really boring i know but if you put yourself in the mindset of someone who does software engineering all day long like what would you rather be doing what i do which is making the pixels on the screen be different colors on a website Mm -hmm. or writing physics well i'm an i am a adept of the animal crossing arts so i would prefer to be making different pixels different colors but i hear you yeah okay well that's fine so in 2003 he starts working on temple os for the very first time and he's just sort of working on it behind the scenes and then in 2004 is the first time that he is forcibly institutionalized and becomes homeless so this is when terry's life becomes particularly challenging because of his disability and also when temple os becomes particularly central to his life this is also a good moment to talk about one of the most challenging and thorny issues in making this series which is that as i said there's a ton of footage of terry out there on the internet a lot of which is pretty hard to follow it's sort of like moments of brilliance interspersed with moments of stuff that that doesn't really make any sense to me that that doesn't feel like it's connected to a reality that I'm a part of. But in a lot of this footage, Terry says a lot of really racist stuff. He drops the N-word a lot. He just really goes off and uses a lot of slurs. Part of this, I think, is because he attracted an online audience of internet trolls. I mean, we're talking early 2000s here, like really the f- the 4chan culture is just starting to ferment around this time. And I think they sort of encouraged him to be more shocking. And really, they wanted him to say sort of the most offensive shit that he could say. But it's also been my experience in hanging out with folks with schizoaffective and schizophrenic disorder that profanity is just can become a big part of communication when you're trying to get across whatever you're trying to get across when you're in that state of psychosis. Yeah. I'm not a not a medical expert on this matter. Just this is just like my anecdotal experience, but we're not here on the show to say Terry was a perfect cinnamon roll and we should all just ignore whatever he said and whatever bigoted ideas he held. They are all sort of wrapped up and mixed up in the cool parts of Temple OS, just like the Talmud, it's sort of a, a shit sandwich and we all just eat it all all year, every year. But yeah, but it's important to sort of name that and to know that, that that was an explicit part of, of the way Terry communicated. 
Interestingly, though, even his racism is nonsensical. He is using these words to describe people who are not historically those words are attributed to. He's just mixing and matching. Yes, he's really throwing the slurs around in a way that doesn't necessarily correspond to that specific group of people. I think, you know, they become terms for whoever he doesn't like at any given moment. And it it gets very mixed up with his experiences of paranoia, using slurs for the CIA agents he feels like are following him and things like that. So it really is inextricable from his intense experience of mental illness and being homeless at this time. So it's not to um, say like, oh, uh, he was homeless. So like, it's fine, let him off the hook. But just to say like this language and this expression of racism or homophobia or anti-Semitism even or whatever is just sort of being intensely magnified both by the medical situation and by the material situation. And that's just something that will be with us as we look at his work. And yeah, really characterizes it. And also is another thing that made it really challenging to watch 15 hours of Terry Davis YouTube streams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I did it all for you, listeners. Thank you, Hava. You're welcome. So we're in the early 2000s. He's having one of his worst years, but he's continuing to work really intensely on Temple OS. This is when he starts to put out some of his most like recognizable little tenets of, of what people on the internet call Terryism of his like his unique spiritual outlook. For instance, you can go find a post he made on Quora in 2013 where somebody asked on Quora, what is it like to be a geek in prison? And Terry answered, God is perfectly just. The world is perfectly just. (laughs) And gives you a little window into his thinking. He cooks up a lot of those kinds of sayings in this period. For instance, he lets us know that God wanted the operating system to always be 640 by 480, because that was a resolution that was more simple and approachable for children, because Temple OS was originally conceived of as an educational tool for teaching children how to code and work with computers. He tells us that God is a fucking space alien talking on subspace, and he'll trade with you if you give him a funny joke. He tells us that life will be heaven if you're God's puppet, and when all else fails, put a smile on God's face. He also tells us that Temple OS was written in fewer than 100,000 lines, just as God intended. (laughs) <laughs> I um, like that. Which is, again, like, a, I mean, all of those are really interesting tidbits of philosophy that we'll touch on again and again in this in this whole series. But a couple bits that stand out to me are just one that, much like the temple described in the Torah, Temple OS for Terry had, like, rigorous schematic specifications that it needed to stand up to. It needed to be so many qubits by so many qubits, you know, digitally speaking. And sticking to those parameters was really important to making it the way he wanted to make it. And also, he has this really, uh, oh, it feels like unique and personal experience of God, which feels like a common thing amongst mystical characters. You know, when he talks about putting a smile on God's face, I get the sense that he has like a a sense of what what it takes to do that. You know, and like when God is smiling and not smiling seems very obvious to him. I just like I'm I'm very enchanted by this idea of like our ultimate purpose is just to be entertainment for God. That like checks out to me. There is something about maybe not his personality, but his writing that reminds me of a certain personality type. I don't know if you know this type, but do you have people in your life who are male 
public school music teachers for small children. <laughs> I have known such people, yes. Yeah, they're like very earnest. They seem so connected to like the sensory world and to like... Oh yeah, I've thought of a specific person now. Yeah, it's like these very earnest, wear your emotions on your sleeve, really good guy, a little puppy doggy, and they seem to be able to tap into like, you could call it the divine or something in this way that's very disarming. Yeah, and there's something about how he writes sometimes, Terry writes, that mm -hmm. reminds me a lot of like that brain wiring that some people have, which I'm a little envious of sometimes. Oh yeah, the, the natural earnesty. The natural earnesty, the natural connection to like to be able to turn off the analytical mind and just experience, you know what I mean? You know, it's mm -hmm. like it's like they're a little bit more in meditative brain than me, I would say. Yeah, it's very neat. It's very neat. So, yeah, I do see that in Terry. So around here in the in the mid 20 teens, Terry moves back in with his parents. He starts this YouTube series of things he calls Paladin Walks, where it's really just a YouTube video of him walking around town. Many times nothing happens in these walks. Paladin um, Walks. That's yeah, so he, badass. He records 39 Paladin Walks. That's uh, like a girl in walk. This period. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like girl dinner. Yeah. And I think the paladin also like brings in the fact that like the imagery and bones of Temple OS are really influenced by Christianity. You know, there's a very romantic idea of Christianity that is important for Terry. He sort of rejects all the versions of Christianity that actually exist. He's like not into the Catholicism, not into Methodism, not in, not into anything that's happening. He thinks of himself as sort of the one who's got it right. And basically nobody else knows what the fuck is going on. Yeah, very prophet to God connection. Not that he mm -hmm. thinks of himself as a prophet, who knows, but not no Jesusiness, really. Mm -hmm. No actual New Testament stuff, as far as I can tell. Very little. Yeah. Yeah, he he really does tend to focus on the Hebrew Bible. He he tends to focus obviously on temple stuff, but also on like what was going on with Cain and Abel, what was going on with Moses. Like that is like the the kind of stories that he finds most interesting. And Jesus tends to show up more as an abstract figure in his theology. So he publishes a bunch of his paladin walks. He gets into a bunch of fights with his parents and ultimately towards the end of 2017 is kicked out of the house and spends a long period homeless again. Again, putting out a lot of videos in this period, uh, working really hard on Temple OS and then he releases this very last video in August 11th, 2018, on the day that he passes away outside of a public library in Oregon. I've watched it several times. It's like very emotionally affecting to me now that I've spent so long getting to know Terry, where he's sort of talking about like, oh, he's saying his usual stuff, like, oh, I'm a genius. I'm like the most powerful guy ever. Like I have direct insight into what God wants. And then towards the last thing he says in the video is, but I don't know, maybe I'm just this strange little man walking back and forth, which is the last recorded thing that he says. And then later he is walking around that town in Oregon and is, is hit by a train. Uh, and that's how Terry dies in August 11th, 2018. Actually, his YouTube community is like the people who alerted the people in the town to what had possibly happened because they were expecting another YouTube video from him. So it's very like unique and, and weird and intimate digital story in these last 
moments. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was his choice to be hit by a train. It seems like it was a complete accident. Yeah, and that that is the brief history of Terry Davis's life. If you just Google Terry Davis Temple OS, you can find a billion trillion more things than I have told you all here. But, you know, it, it takes a little bit of juice to sort through them yeah. all. I'll tell you that. So besides being able to learn about Terry and watch his old videos, you know, there are sites where you can download a copy of Terry's operating system, Temple OS. And if you have the right hardware, which doesn't exist, so what people usually do... Which you don't. Which you don't. um, You can install it on it, or you can run an emulator, just like you can run Mac on your Windows machine or Windows on your Mac machine, you know, with an emulator. You could go and go online and learn how to run Temple OS on your computer in an emulator. It takes a little fiddling around, but you can figure it out. Other things that exist, Hava mentioned there's the subreddit, so there's people talking about Terry, there's people talking about the operating system, how to get it to work, explaining how it works, Mm -hmm. um, explaining what's different about it and unique. And there's really two sides to that community because there's a lot of people who are there from a really technical perspective, really curious about it as a piece of computer science, and there are a lot of people who come with this idea of like, well, Terry was right about everything, literally, and... I want to like follow the Terry religion and those two communities uh, mix and match in a, in a super strange way on the internet these days. Yeah. And there's also people that go online and like write it all off using mm-hmm. their supposed computer science knowledge and being like, well, this is bad for this reason. So there's tons of communication about it. If you go on GitHub, which is like a place where people post their code and other people can take it and do with it what they want. People have been forking his operating system and changing it and making different versions of it that run in different contexts that can like maybe run on modern hardware or have other things changed about it. People post YouTube videos where they show how they use the operating system and how they got it to work and what interesting things they're able to do with it that they can't do with the current operating system options that are out there. We'll, we'll get mm-hmm. into that later on. But yeah, his technological legacy is still present and it's sparking communication still among people who are Mm -hmm. interested in this kind of deep inner workings understandings of how computers do what they do. Yeah. And I think that is almost like another part of the reason I wanted to make a series about this is because there's clearly something here that a lot of people get a lot out of discussing. But unless you're in some really particular internet holes, you're not gonna hear about it. And it's something that I felt like a lot of our listeners would be interested in and a lot of people in the world would be interested in, but will never run into if they don't just stumble upon it in the right way and sort of digging up that story and and making it accessible to a different audience is also part of what was really exciting about doing this project. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, like whatever weird rabbit hole you're in, you try to convey what makes that rabbit hole mystical and magical to other people. It can be difficult and... We're going to try to bridge that divide. Hopefully, you'll see it. We're going to try to make the journey. And there's, you know, there's a lot of a lot of challenges we tiptoe around in this series. Our culture has a really weird relationship and series of tropes about artists and geniuses and mental illness, dealing with Terry's racist outbursts on stream, figuring out what we even feel and how to say it and how to organize what we feel into a coherent series of podcast episodes. 
there's been a lot of uh, both artistic and personal challenges in making it, but it's been a really exciting project to attempt as a team, as a chavruta. Oh, yeah, we're chavrutas. Look at that. Okay. Very. So I think that concludes our little intro of who is Terry? Why do we make this series? West Temple OS. We're going to talk a lot more in each forthcoming episode about what makes Temple OS special technologically, what different aspects of the creative process are unique, its relationship to the temple, its relationship, just all the angles we could think of will be coming at it from. So stick with us for the journey. And I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Yeah. Hope you like it. Okay, uh, Shana Tova and Shavua Tov, everybody. Shana Tova, Shavua Tov.